Kingsley turns that five sideways. Brian, the gate is down. This is a sharp left-hander. Who's going to shot? Looks like Darcy Lange on that Richmond Gallon Kawasaki gets the jump. That's where it all started. Big MX Radio, brought to you by Justified Cultures, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. Fly racing, Bill's Pipes, W Wheels, Maxima USA, Moto Ice Wrap, 100% Goggles, and Moto Stuff make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Fly Racing Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by Justified Cultures. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With us on the line, we've got the big big boss over at CMRC. goes by the name of Mark Stallybrass. Mark, how's it going? I'm doing quite well, thanks. It's a beautiful uh, Monday afternoon, uh, a couple of weeks removed from the, the final round in uh, just outside of uh, Barrie, Ontario. Um, what, are your, what are your feelings on uh, the season as a whole, 2016, wrapped up with a pretty bow? Uh, as far as the Pro National Series goes, uh, we had yeah. our, our most successful series ever. Uh, we were up up in attendance uh, at uh, nine out of the ten rounds, and um, you know the the level of competition was the best it's been. You know, on the marketing side and execution side, it it all went quite well, other than a few Red Cross incidents, Red Cross flag incidents. It was about as smooth as I could have ever hoped. Well, they're, they are motocross races, after all. Tunnel vision does come into effect, so uh, every once in a while, uh, a, 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 a flag gone unnoticed, uh, and um, it, it didn't result in any uh, uh, huge problems as far as on the track goes. So uh, all things considered, pretty successful, and uh, quite a thrill for a Canadian fans to see a guy like Davey Millsaps come up and twist the throttle. Most definitely, it was it was great to have Davey up here, but um, you know there was quite the uh, quite the lineup of guys behind him as well. With uh, you know Gorky, Metcalf, Alessi, Fasciati, you know Tyler, you know the 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 list goes on. I think in the MX1 class, it uh, without question, it was the it was the most uh, uh, competitive and highly touted lineup that's ever raced our nationals. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Like uh, going all the way back to uh, Cade Clayson and, and the rest of the guys that rounded out the top ten. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's um, it's an amazing thing to see all all of this talent coming into the series. And uh, honestly, when we're rolling into the chat into the first round at Nanaimo, uh, talking about uh, at least seven different guys that have a legitimate shot at uh, at winning some races, if not taking home a championship. And uh, as a as a as a guy who's pulling the strings behind the scenes, uh, that's a good feeling to have. There's no question. You know, the, there was a lot of a lot of hype leading up to the first round. Um, you know, and, and honestly, like I, I was even saying myself, whether it was whether I recorded it or, or just uh, small talk with the people that I work with, is that I couldn't even I, I couldn't even pick a top three 
Um, you know, like even even a winner, you know, be like if and. <clears throat> Saps, Gorky, uh, and Fasciati were all healthy, which they had problems before in previous years. Um, you know, Alessi came off of a of, of a great Supercross series. There was Vince Freeze, of course, who we forgot, and then Millsaps was a big question mark because uh, you know he hadn't been up here, he hadn't seen the tracks, no one knew him as far as riding and his conditioning and his motivation. So the it, the uh, the, the the hype leading up to it was was pretty intense. Uh, you know, even after the first round, um, going into Nanaimo, like more like Kamloops, um, <clears throat> um, you know, like with, with Gerke went one, I think one two, and Millsaps was two one. It, it was still a bit of a question mark, and you know, other like uh, you know, Alessi had problems in, in Kamloops and so on and so on. So that hype kind of continued. It, it started phasing out a little bit from uh, by the time we hit Calgary and then Regina. Millsaps really made a uh, a stance as far as where it, where he was positioned in the series. So then then you know the the hype kind of uh, I won't say went away. It fizzled a bit, but then that, and then once we went to the east, then Davy had problems at Gopher Dunes and and Alberton, and then it was kind of back on again, but. You know, overall, it was it was just a, a great series. Uh, you know, there was a lot of interest because of um, not just the results, but the potential of everybody and, and what they could have done uh, at, at each round. And, and uh, first and foremost, uh, Mark, you are a huge fan of this sport, and uh, and watching these guys uh, dice it up, watching them jockey for position, uh, you've got to be smiling ear to ear just just to see uh, all this competitiveness and uh, and just straight up battles developing out there on the track, and uh, even late into the series, like guys, uh, even if maybe their championship hopes weren't uh, exactly there anymore, they're still uh, racing hard and uh, and and competing for for victories, and we really. Saw uh, Kevin Benoit come in uh, at the end there with uh, some great rides, showing uh, maybe a little bit of foreshadowing of what's to come in 2017. Yeah, um, you know, Kevin, Kevin definitely showed. I, I guess whether you want to call it surprise people or impress people, but really, if you think about it, you know, when he he won the MX2 class for two years in a row. We, we shouldn't we should have should have given him a little bit more uh, credit for where he could have placed within the list of Americans and Colton and Tyler. Right. Um, you know, and, and hey, he just he just proved himself where where he sits now. Like, if you want to call him the best in Canada or one of, like, you know, between well, I won't even say names, but you know, Colton of course comes into the equation. But yeah, he he definitely. Uh, Made a name for himself and proved to, proved to a lot of people what he's all about. Um, and Absolutely. He, yeah, and you know, having having the the lineup that like I just said before, having the lineup that we did, it was fantastic racing to see. Uh, you know, every 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 round, there was uh, there was always something going on, and you know, sometimes with with Davey going one and one a couple times, it, it's not like it was one one two two three three four four. It was there was a lot going on for second place as well. So that that made it uh, made it pretty interesting too. 
for sure. And a guy like Kevin definitely has uh, a pretty good mentor in his corner in uh, in in uh, JSR. Yeah, JSR has been around the block. Um, you know, JSR obviously, well, you know, the, they they've been together for a number of years now. But uh, I think Davey Miltzaps even even um, uh, helped helped Kevin a lot and and gave him a lot of confidence. Uh, you know, and obviously obviously gave him lots of tips in terms of the track and, and preparation and so on. But, you know, with the, the whole combination between JSR and, and Davey that uh, um, Kevin, I, I'm sure it helped him. Like, you know, the men- mental part of racing definitely has uh, plays a big role in, in results. And I think that's where uh, Kevin got it this year. Couldn't couldn't agree more. Like uh, when it comes to uh, Davey lending a hand and, and being a mentor, is that something that kind of surprises you? Given the fact that uh, um, one of the many th- the things that you mentioned about uh, was a question mark for him coming in was motivation. Um, it, was it surprising to you that the guy would uh, uh, go out of his way to uh, to lend a helping hand to the uh, the his Canadian teammate and uh, and help him along? Well. I can't say it surprised me because I, I, you know, before this year I didn't know Davey. So what what it really said to me was Davey's a true professional. Uh, one thing he's confident because you know if he's if he's giving tips on someone that's uh, two, three, or four positions behind him, that says something about his confidence and his ability yeah. to be at the front. But um, you know, as I said, as far as being a professional and and you know, and, and actually a good guy. Like Davey is a really good guy, and for him to to go out of his way to try and help someone, regardless if he was Canadian or American, but you know, it, it was a teammate. So you know, that really that really said a lot about his uh, about his professionalism, I guess you would say. Totally. Well said, my friend. Now, um, like I said earlier, you are a, an absolute fan of this sport. You love the sport that you, uh, you work with every single day. Um, but where did that passion start with you? Um, dial the clocks back as far as uh, your, your first experiences with, uh, with riding a motorcycle. And uh, I assume it's, at, at some point you must have raced these things. Yeah, I raced for a number of years. Um, well, you want to go back in time. Uh, my, I, I had a couple of cousins in, that I had in Vermont that used to race motocross, and this is uh, this is like 1970, 71, 72, somewhere around there. And I actually, okay. I actually, you know, I, I went to a couple races, and uh, you know, I, I just, well, it's, I don't know, if it's in your blood, it's in your blood. So I went there, and I was just hooked. And you know, I, I rode for the first time. Then, like my my brothers, like I've got three brothers. And they all rode bikes at the time. So, you know, motorcycles weren't uh, foreign to the family. But, you know, when I went down to, to Vermont, that's when my, my first uh, exposure to it. Then, you know, later when I was about 13, I, I, I moved to a different area. And there was a place right across the road from where I lived where all the kids rode bikes. So, you know, I got a bike and it just went into it. And then I was, you know, a big Bob Hanna fan. This was probably around 76. 677 somewhere around there and then it just you know i i always i stayed i stayed with it and i started working in the industry in 1980 when uh like a what do you call the work programs at school when you're when you work at a place i worked at a motorcycle dealership and then then it just went from there i worked at a dealership until 86 
86, 87. For, I worked for seven years. And then I bounced around at a couple other jobs. Like I worked at Cycle Camera Magazine for a little bit, uh, R&M Motocross Specialties. And then I landed at Yamaha, um, at Yamaha Motor Canada in 1987. And I was there for three years. I moved up to marketing and I, I ran the motocross team for a couple of years. So it's been a long, it's been a long haul, but, um, yeah, you know, one, one thing I, one thing I used to say is, uh, and I still kind of say, I, I used to have a shirt, uh, a Cinecello sweatshirt and it said, uh, for love and money in that order. And that's, that's kind of been my model with motocross. You know, obviously now I'm, I'm, uh, I've been doing it for a living and, you know, everybody has to make money to put food in your face. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's, with, without the love of the sport, it's kind of hard to, to keep the passion and keep going. Oh, especially with a sport like motocross, which, uh, for, uh, the most passionate of fan will, will frustrate you to no end, especially when you're trying to make dollars and cents out of it. But, uh, what, at what point did you, uh, um, basically grab hold of the reins at, uh, at CMRC and, uh, and becoming, uh, more involved with, uh, with, Canadian pro racing because um, I started racing at the very end of 2000 uh, in the 80 class in the 7 to 11 class and, um, and for as all as far as I've known um, um, CMRC racing and Mark Stallybrass have uh, have gone hand in hand. Yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it? Um, I guess uh, well, it, like our, the pro nationals we started in I started in '93. Where it was basically, I think, uh, either a four round or six round series between Ontario and Quebec. And then it, um, it expanded out west. We did, uh, uh, we did Antler Lake in 96, Antler Lake in the 96. And that, that's really when it, uh, turned into a true national series. Um, started the, started television coverage in 1996. So it was, just uh, you know, from from 1990 when I when I first started, well, first started CMC, and then in 94, 95, bad with dates, 94, I think, no, 95 maybe was the first year with CMRC, and you know it was just a matter of of, of setting a goal uh, to and you know where to, where to take the sport and and sticking to the plan, and that's really really what's going on you know every year is it's the the goal is to take the the pro series up a notch um you know and then the you know on the amateur side too that was that's all obviously very important as well you know it's the it's the base of our sport and it's uh you know the most where the most competitors are it's not all about the pro nationals so um you know as, as i said it just it, it evolved through the through the 90s to I think it was like '97 where we were pretty well coast to coast, and um, you know it's just continued on from there. Absolutely, and uh, and in coming through uh, through the years, there's been a lot of different races that have uh, or tracks that have held races. Uh, and in, in 1999, you guys made a stop in uh, in Manitoba. I, I, I want to say it was one of the first times, or maybe '98 was the first time you guys were in Manitoba, and. Um, 
Uh, a guy by the name of Doug, Doug DeHaan took the overall, but uh, calling the action was none other than uh, the, the greatest Canadian motocrosser of all time, Ross Rollerball Peterson. How First of all, how did you guys end up getting on Sportsnet with like week-to-week coverage with an entire, I think it was like, like two hours every single week, uh, getting coverage that way, as well as getting uh, a great in the sport like that to call the action? Uh, well, I'm, I've actually, I'm, I'm just looking at the posters on my wall. I've got all the posters from every year. And the first year we went to Grunthal was July 8th, 2001. Um, oh, one. Okay, anyway, fair to, enough. Yeah, yeah. So to answer your question, um, <clears throat> you know, as, as far as the television goes, we started in 96 with a one-hour show on TSN, um, and that was of the, the Walton round. Then in 97, we went, we did uh, six rounds and that was covered on global, global TV. Then 98, we went with, uh, what did we go with? Uh, we were with Speed Vision, Speed Vision and Outdoor Life Network. Okay. And yeah, then, I remember that. Yeah. And then two, 2001, 2001 is, or maybe even 2000, that's when Doug Dubach was up, but it, that's when we started with Sportsnet and, well, and, and OLN at the time. So, you know, it was just a matter of uh, going to the networks and pitching the show and, um, you know, showing what we had done in the past. And, you know, Sportsnet, we were partners with, I think, for 15 years. So, you know, that was that was part of the evolution evolution of, of Canadian motocross. You know, television was a big part of it. Um, you know, I know in 95, I, I remember sitting in my kitchen, scratching my head and sweating whether I was going to spend the money on going to TV but it's for the one round, but it, it surely paid off. And it's, uh, you know, it's a big, well, it's, it, on, on one side, it was uh, the best thing going. On the other side, it created a lot of monsters too, because, you know, once you get on TV, then, you know, a lot of the manufacturers invested more and team, you know, more teams came came through the, the woodwork and so on. So, um, you know, it, it just, it helped raise the, the, the prestige of the series. I couldn't agree more. Now, like in 2001, when you guys rolled into Grunthal, there was Richmond, like it was Richmond Gowan Kawasaki. There's two wheel Kawasaki. There's Morgan Racing. There was uh, Blackfoot Motorsports. Uh, it was, it looked like a, a, a AMA Pro National lib with how many trucks there were there and, uh, really kind of, um, made people stand up and realize that this is a really, really competitive series and um, people north and south of the border were really enjoying it. Um, how, how do you feel like that really, like obviously TV helped it, it take off like that, but uh, once they were at the track, um, what, what was keeping the people there and what was uh, constantly bringing in the, uh, the, the talent from uh, all over North America? Well, I, I think what, you know, it was basically the competitiveness of the team owners and the manufacturers that, you know, they, as, as the, as the uh, awareness and the attention of everybody that towards the series, um, you know, it was the, you know, if you call it the race on Sunday, sell on Monday, but, you know, like I said, the manufacturers, they, they make racing machines. So they, they want to, they want to win. Um, and same thing with the teams. So, you know, um, you know, even with, 
to go to bed. I, I guess in 2000 when Doug Dubach came up, you know, he swept the series that year, but that really kind of uh, motivated, I'll say, Blackfoot because Blackfoot came in in 2001, and I don't know if that was a year with Damon Huffman and Mike Craig or like yeah, it was. Uh, I'm, yeah. So, anyways, um, you know, and and then then the, the kind of created a snowball effect. You know, Richmond Racing they had um, oh Christ, I can't even remember. Doug, uh, the well, I know Darcy was there, but. Uh, I'm trying well, they had Blair Morgan, Doug, uh, Doug DeHaan, and then uh, eventually they had Craig Decker and, and uh, the, the following year. Right, right. Craig Decker was the guy I was looking at. But, you know, and then JSR came back, too. He was he was down in the States in the late 90s, and then he yeah. came up and was riding for Blackfoot. So, like I said, it was uh, it was a snowball effect. And, and really, you know, when when the, the names the names started coming up, then the spectators started started going, too. And, you know, combined with that was all of our efforts in the background with the, the marketing of the whole series and promotions and just trying to take things forward. So it's a, you know, step-by-step process. We're, we're going into our 25th year, so it's not an overnight success. Um, and, and, you know, from, from where it started to where it is right now, it's a huge jump. But I've, I've got uh, goals of taking it a lot further than where it is right now. Well, that's exciting to hear, and uh, no doubt that you'll most likely be taking uh, a couple of familiar voices with you, a couple of guys that have become synonymous with Canadian motocross. That's uh, Mark Travers and uh, Brian Coster, guys, basically the voices of Canadian motocross, and I know a lot of uh, Americans, Canadians alike, get a kick out of uh, their uh, broadcasting style. When when did you uh, first get those two paired together? And uh, they're like a duck in water. Well, um, with with Travs, uh, let's see, 1997, he was working for a, a, uh, a production company, and he he was covering a couple races called uh, Export A Compete, and he did an outdoor race, and then he came to Niagara Falls when I did an arena cross there. So that's when I got him. I think in '98, that's when he started. He was a, uh, a co-host, and then I think by you know '99, 2000, he evolved into into the host. And then with with uh, Brian Coster, what we call Fabs. But anyway, I I used to race against Fabs back in the in the early '80s or mid '80s, and I've been friends with him, and um, you know, as I said, raced with him for for quite some time. Um, I remember in I remember. Don't ask me what year. I think it was sixteen, somewhere around two thousand. Um, I remember being in the NIMO and I basically put a, put a microphone in his hand and say, here, do some, do some stand up interviews for me. So <laughs> turns out he was, uh, he was a natural at it. And I, I, I think Brian's not one of, I think he's the best motocross announcer going, you know, whether it's, whether it's on yeah. site, on site, um, you know, especially with the television broadcast and, Trust me, like I, I, I spend a lot of time with these guys uh, away from the track, and it's it's like it's like a traveling comedy show a lot of times, uh, well most of the time just listening to them. So they they bring that that personality of theirs along with the, the, their knowledge of the sport to uh, to the announcing, and you know it just it was just one of those uh relationships or combos that just came together and, and just flourished 
And, and as I said, like we, I remember back in, in 07, we went to the motocross the nations at, at Butts Creek. And I tell you, they were like, they were like celebrities there because at the time we were having our, our show broadcast over in, in Europe and internationally in a number of different companies. And everybody just loved them for, you know, just how they call the race and how they say Holstein ads and all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> it was, um, uh, you know, like you said, they're, they're, they're the, pretty much the best in the business. I couldn't agree more, man. Uh, in fact, uh, I went back and uh, I watched one of the old races from back uh, from the very first race I watched in, in Grunthal, and uh, I, I, I uh, took just a, a snippet out of their uh, their audio from the, the first 125 moto they called, and uh, that's what's featured in the the intro to this podcast. So when you listen to that, you'll be able to uh, you'll, you'll you'll hear uh, those guys doing their thing. And uh, sounds like Brian's uh, introduction to uh, Canadian motocross isn't uh, a, a ton unlike mine. Um, oh yeah, as far yeah, as my my yeah. interviews. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, exactly, exactly. It was. Uh very impromptu and um you know he he just took the ball and ran with it so to speak Wow, that's well, that's an, that's an incredible. Now, who are some of the uh, the superstars and the athletes that you've seen uh, come through Canadian motocross that uh, have really kind of blown your wig back? As far as uh, guys who are just super talented on a motorcycle, and uh, and uh, especially ones that maybe didn't achieve all of the uh, the accolades and 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 uh, championships that maybe they could have. Um. Well. <clears throat> You know, well, Rollerball was my my hero. So I, you know, he's it was amazing to watch him. JSR obviously was amazing. Um, I think the 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 guy that stands out the most, who had a ton of talent, but when it came to outdoors, never really put it together, was Darcy Lange. Totally um, agree. You know, he was he was winning arena cross championships in the states, and he he'd come up here and he'd crash and hurt himself and take him out of the series or you know something there was something that that always snafu'd on him you know i remember remember one one year and once again don't remember the year but it was let's say mid 2000s where the final round at walton it was just a quagmire uh and you know we canceled the last moto but things yeah. before then and he ended up losing the championship by a couple of points and just you know, the, the things just didn't come together for him. Um, but, but as far as the rider go, it was, goes, it was a, it was a amazing to watch him ride. So well, that happened to Darcy a couple of times because he lost by I think three points to Sean Hamblin, and then on the same like the the very next year, uh, Brad Hegseth got him at the same track uh, by a couple of points as well. Yeah. No, exactly, and and even in the. Well, at the time, even in the 250 class, now the MX1 class, he uh, there's things that went sideways for him as well. So, yeah, was just, that was uh, blew my mind. As a guy that can base, he won, won almost every everything you can win as far as an arena cross race between 2004 and 2008. But uh, when it came to outdoors, like he was either immediately hurt. Like I don't actually remember him even racing a four stroke in Canadian nationals. Yeah, I, well. Maybe like one year well, until he got hurt. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I said, I'm I'm not a I'm not a walking history book. I don't remember things. <laughs> like that. Um, but uh, you know, I would have thought he would have ridden a four stroke because 
you know, when Dubok was out on the 400 and 2000, you know, Darcy didn't, uh, Darcy didn't wrap things up until mid 2000s, I think. So, uh, yeah. but it's, regardless, you know, he was, in fact, in 2000, he, he did race the 250 class because I remember, I remember him in, uh, in Raymond. He was, uh, he was racing against Dubok and that was probably about the closest he ever, ever saw of, of Doug at the time. So, um, but as far as the four strokes go, I, I honestly don't know. I, you'd have to ask, uh, Dave Gallon or someone like that what, what uh, the deal was with them. Fair enough. Well, uh, it, it must have been weird to, uh, to see this, uh, uh, first of all, a guy who's, uh, well past his prime as far as a motocross racer goes, come up on, uh, this four stroke that no one really knows what to, uh, what to make of it and basically just put the boots to everybody being, uh, one of the only four strokes out there. Well, yeah, it was, uh, I think it was a, a YZ400 that he did ride. And it, that was the same, yeah. same time as when Doug Henry was riding the 400 in the States. And I, I tell you, as far as someone that knows the motorcycle inside and out, it's Doug. And, um, you know, his talent, I think at the time he was 39 years old, because I'm pretty sure in Alberton he celebrated his 40th birthday. But um, he, you know, he was just, an amazing rider obviously and and it's not and I, actually JSR was up uh, for he JSR didn't do the whole series but he came up for a, a number of events and you know he, he had a hard time with Doug then too and like I think JSR beat him like one moto or something like that but uh you know he he was just he was a class act he was just one class act I'll tell you that well, from from the interviews that I've seen, uh, like just and recently, I go back and watch those races every once in a while. It looked like Doug was having a lot of fun that year, like just ear to ear, smiling, enjoying his four stroke, and uh, enjoying knocking off some moto wins. Well, you know what? There's there's it's, it's not just Doug, but there's a lot of a lot of Americans that come up up even to this year. Like Davy Davy Millsaps probably had the most fun he's had in a long time, if not ever, at a pro series. Not just because he was winning, but because uh, just because of the atmosphere in in Canada. Um, you know, in the states, there's a lot more pressure and it's intense, and there's you know a lot more people, so you're you're under a, a microscope. But uh, you know, with with Doug, then he he did have a great time. You know, brought his family up. It was you know he came up and raced bikes, had fun, brought and you know brought his family and just had had a great time. And that's really that's been somewhat of a common denominator with uh, a, a lot of the Americans that have come up through the years. They just, they just have such a, a good time just because of the nature of Canadians. And, you know, we're appreciative of, of them coming up. And, uh, you know, I guess that's why more and more of them keep on going north of the border. Couldn't agree more. Now it's 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 uh like like Bobby Canary, it's uh it's Matt Gerke, it's Brett Metcalf. Um who do you foresee uh being uh the, the next two uh to make the uh the climb above the uh the border here to uh to duke it out with uh Cavan and the rest of the guys because uh as far as uh of Millsaps's uh contract sounds like he he won't be able to um defend that number one plate. Well Let's just wait and see. Is, is all yeah, I fair think. enough? Um, yeah. You know, I, I I know Davey's got a contract, and you know, contracts are contracts. But uh, I I I know he would like to come back because 
you know, as I said, he had a lot of fun. But, you know, it, really that's what, that's what it, it comes down to business. And, and, you know, whether it's KTM or the team that he signed with, uh, you know, if he stays in the States or comes back, um, you know, that's, that remains to be seen. Um, it, it'll just, just like we were surprised back in March when it was announced that he was coming up, where the rumor came out that he was coming up. So as far as, as far as other, other riders, um, you know, take your pick. You can, you can look at, at like, like put it, put it this way. If you want to, if you want to hire a rider to come up and win the nationals, now you got to, now you know that you got to have someone that's just as good as Matt Gerke or Davey Nosaps or Brett Metcalf or Michael Lassie. You know what yeah. I mean? So whether, whether that's, uh, possible financially for a, 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 a privateer team or even a manufacturer back team to be able to do it, that's a tough call. Um, you know, I would like to say, well, it, one, well, one guy comes to mind is Dean Wilson. There's a guy, you know, whether he wants to come back here or not, he obviously grew up in Canada, racing in Canada, but, you know, yep. whether he's at the point of his career where, uh, he's ready to come back, or if he, you know, if he doesn't get the sponsorship that he wants in the states, um, there's there's one guy. You know, I, I've heard names like Jake Weimer wanting to come back. Um, there's one other name I forget right now, but I tell you, there's like I said, you, you got to be at the top of your game to come up here and win because Matt's coming back next year, Brett's coming back. Um, Alessi, I would like to think he's coming back. Um, and, and, you know, I, I just think, you know, as I said, if, if, you know, if you, if you're not, if you're not going to be on the podium, don't bother spending the money and don't bother coming. And that's, that's kind of speaking for the, for the teams and the, and the manufacturers. Like you don't, you don't spend a lot of money to have a guy come up here and finish fifth. You know, you want a guy that's, that wants to, that is going to finish on the podium. So now, in order for that to happen, you've got to be you've got to be putting some money out, and you've got to have someone that has is a, has a proven track record. So that's going to be tough. It's going to be very tough. Absolutely. Now, uh, you'd mentioned that uh, you've got some uh, goals and aspirations moving forward with uh, the CMRC. Uh, could you uh, uh, shed a little light on that or, or give anybody a little bit of a preview of, uh, of what you have in mind as far as uh, to improve a series that, uh, in a lot of ways, uh, gets better every single year? Well, you know, it's, there's, a, there's a number of different areas. Like there's, there's so many different components that make up the Nationals. It's it's uh, somewhat overwhelming, overwhelming at times, but, you know, if you want to hear my wish list, um, you know, like a, an improved television package domestically in, in, in Canada, you know, um, you know, we can do a lot better there. We've, we introduced the streaming video this year. That was good. But if that, that picks up and carries on, if we can get more uh, corporate sponsorship uh, for the series so that we can, you, you know, add more to the infrastructure, like, you know, back to the, the, my, the, the crew members and, you know, advertising and promotion, if we can increase the budgets there to get more people to come in through the gates and then, you know, more money into the purse, like it's all, it's all a, a somewhat of a vicious cycle. You got to, you know, the chicken and the egg scenario, if you want to call it that. So, 
you know, it, it, it's those those types of things that will, you know, if if there's more if there's more money in the purse, that'll attract more riders. If there's better riders, that'll attract the spectators. If there's more advertising and promotions, that'll um, that'll get more eyeballs on the series. And if there's more eyeballs on the series, then we get more corporate sponsorship. And then you know what I mean. Then it just keeps on going more and more and more and more. So. You know, it, it, I don't think I, I, I think it's um, it, it's n- not very productive if you say, okay, well, this is good enough. And it's yeah, never, exactly. It's never settling. Yeah, no, it's like it's never been good enough. It, it, sorry, it never is good enough as far as I'm concerned. And that's why I always try to try to take steps to to go forward. Like I had a I had a meeting today with uh, my PR company that we hired on this year, and we're looking on how to how to improve on on uh, promoting each event and uh, in, and improving on our social media and, and advertising how we can make it more effective and you know it's I got a meeting with Travers tomorrow he's coming tomorrow and I know and I know Travis has the same types of goals as I do and he's going to be coming to me with his wish list saying we got to do this we got to do this we got to do this and it's a matter of a, a balance between what we can what we can do financially, you know, realistically and, 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 you know, where we can take these steps forward that need to be done. Um, you know, and also polishing, polishing the package that we have in place. Um, you know, like we, we've taken, we've taken huge steps forward since, you know, like 07 is when Monster Energy come up, came on board. And then, you know, since then, and then, uh, Rockstar has been involved for the last three years. So we, with, with increased sponsorship, you know, unfortunately we can't put it into the, uh, can't put it into the, the, the series purse because we have all these other things that we have to do to, to get the series up to the level that we want it. So it's, uh, you know, it's quite an ordeal. No kidding. It sounds like you got a pretty easy job, man. Like as, it, it seems to just go to work and uh, put in your time. <laughs> well, yeah, not at all. Like, <laughs> it sounds like it, it sounds like it from the outside. Um, you know, it, it's it's very challenging. Like like I said, if, if I were just to sit back and and say, all right, this is good enough, and you know, I could maybe spend uh, a few months few months with my hands behind my head, but instead, you know, we're always uh, my. It's not just me too. It's my team, the whole team behind it. We're always trying to take things forward. So, um, you know, and obviously I've got a, another job too, and that being CMRC. So that's that's uh, um, quite a task, especially in the off season. And there's uh, always politics to deal with uh, in the amateur ranks and with, with different clubs and regions across the country. So, um, you know, it's it's not all uh, it's not all um, it's not all roses, you know what I mean? It, um, oh, totally. Yeah, it, it, it's a lot of work. Um, you know, I can say that uh, for, well, I just finished my 27th year of, of CMRC, or, you know, CMC and CMRC, but, uh, you know, I, I can say that every, every morning, 9 o'clock, I'm sitting at my desk and I'm working on motocross every day in one way or another. So, you know, it's, you know, like, like I, I make a living at what I love to do, but also I've taken on a responsibility for the sport in Canada to to keep on 
making progress. So uh, there's there's a lot of a lot of whoops in the way type of thing, you know. Yeah. So anyway, it's a matter of just staying focused and going forward. Hey everybody, this is Jimmy Button, former factory Supercross rider. You're listening to the Big MX Radio Show. We're going to take it to a commercial, and we'll be right back. Justified Cultures is the kind of apparel from the moment you put it on makes you feel like it was made just for you. Quality, comfortable apparel designed for and inspired by the live-what-you-love lifestyle. Woven throughout the moto, desert, skate, and surf culture of Justified is the desire to celebrate human achievement, to inspire and create a modern lifestyle brand reflecting today's generation. Zach Commons, Matty Jesse, Phoenix Racing Co., Dominique Daffay, Cody Matichuk, and John Short are just a few athletes who don Justified Cultures clothing. Passion needed a clothing line to speak to the way that it lived each day. So, we created Justified Cultures. Navigate JustifiedCultures.com to easily view over 40 individual styles to help you make a statement every time you step outside. As presenting sponsor to Big MX Radio, lock in promo code BIGMX17 when checking out at JustifiedCultures.com to receive 30% off your Justified Cultures clothing. Express your lifestyle with Justified Cultures. Live what you love. When it's time to turn heads, Spokeskins has you covered. Whether it's dirt bikes, street bikes, or bicycles, nobody does it better than Spokeskins. Mix and match your spokes, or go with the same color all the way around. Either way, Spokeskins is the way to go to customize the look of your bike. Uniting off-road riders on every end of the budget spectrum, Spokeskins is aimed at giving you the custom look without the custom price tag. If you're looking to set your bike apart from the rest of the herd, turn some heads, and be able to change your bike's look on the fly, head to spokeskins.net. They don't just have spokeskins on their website. They've got more. New products are being added all the time, like the Motul Slacker Digital Sag Scale, and just recently, Galfer Off-Road Series Rear Brake Lines, Oversized Rotor Kit, and Front Brake Lines as well. So do what I did. Head to spokeskins.net today, place your order, and get set up to turn some heads out there. Spokeskins, we've got you covered. 100% equals everything. When you give everything... You do not save anything for later. Do not relax. Do not take a break to get your breath. Give everything you've got from start to finish. You leave it all on the track. It is very rare that a logo or saying becomes so strong that Hall of Fame athletes choose to run it without any agents or contracts or business discussed. Question is, how much do you give? If you give 100% on the track, shouldn't your goggles? Whether you choose the Racecraft, the Akiri, the Strata, or the Barstow, 100% Goggles has the right goggle to give you 100% every time you ride. With great accessories like the Forecast film system, endless goggle lenses, 100% Goggles simply can't be beat. You can find it all on www.ride100percent.com. That's www.ride100percent.com. Go there and join the 100% family.
racersindex.com is your ultimate race production resource from the starting line of production to the finish line of winning racersindex.com is your go-to resource to be a part of or produce a checkered flag winning event the professional's place to find work and workers rides and riders and more if you need it to make your race event happen it's happening at racersindex.com if you want to be a part of the racing world join the racersindex.com team today if you need people on your team you can find them at racersindex.com log on now and find what you need who you need and anything needed for two-wheel or four-wheel racing log on if you're a mechanic model rider flagger caterer sound engineer team owner production specialist or anything related to racing find all people places and things racing all at racersindex.com from dirt to the track from desert to the drag strip racersindex.com is your ultimate race resource click it for your ticket to all things racing racersindex.com Deft Family Gloves. Deft means showing cleverness and skill in handling things. What you want to see in football and basketball is some deft handling of the ball. Some people are physically deft, like accomplished athletes, motorsports professionals, and martial arts masters. Their movements are fast, graceful, and deliberate. Others might be mentally or intellectually deaf. You could describe a beautifully written essay as deaf, or talk about a politician's deaf work on an anti-bullying bill. The source of deaf is the Old English gedeft, meaning mild or gentle, which became deaf in Middle English along with its meaning of apt, skillful, and adept. Deft family represents a united family of athletes, artists, and creative individuals inspired by the underground lifestyle. Founded by a core crew of friends, influenced by music, arts, culture, sport, faith, and fashion. We provide the essentials of the modern day movement through a vision of free-flowing culture. Formed by motivation and necessity for change through passionate minds while remaining ahead of the mainstream, common, and popular beliefs. Hashtag Deaf Family is not just a brand, it's a lifestyle. We are deaf. All Deft Family product and merchandise is shipped directly from Temecula, California and handled with care. So head on over to deftfamily.com, explore the website, and find out all things deft, and become part of the deft family. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with oats and bran. Oats and bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey, kids, start out every morning with a fat ball. 
in motocross, everyone wants one common thing. To simply enjoy the ride. Sand, clay, loam, or concrete, and everything in between. Riders all want to be able to enjoy their ride. But today is arena cross. Tomorrow is Glen Helen. And Saturday, we're heading to this gnarly sand track. How can we be sure our suspension is always dialed in? For most, employing a full-time practice technician is unrealistic. And even for those who have one, setting suspension is still a chore. Get a measuring tape, scratch a mark on the fender or rear number plate, and attempt some backward math to find 105 millimeters. Does this tape even have millimeters on it? Forget that. Head to motool.co today and set your sag every time you ride with the Slacker Digital Sag Scale. Let's hear from Johnny Casebeer himself on how this thing works. So uh, really basically you would just uh, stick it on your axle with the magnet, stick the clip on your side plate, basically where the arc of the axle would hit the side plate, and then uh, pull out the retractable cable, hook it to the clip, and turn it on, and then just take the bike off the stand and, and take a measurement. It's that easy. Trust tuning your suspension to Johnny Casebeer and Motul MX. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now, and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples, and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website, you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for. Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to WBYAUSA.com today. WUSA, all things wheels. What's up, guys? It's time to talk a little bit about Roy Borden Race. He's the performance specialist. Suspension, making a motor work, balancing a bike, or just maintenance. He's got the tools and know-how to make sure that your bike is ready on race day or practice. Roy Borden has strength in years of experience and the best technology and best tools at his disposal. Whether you're getting your forks redone, seals, or a full, full-blown full rebuild on your forks or, or shock. Call up Roy Borden today at 204-633-2722. Hey guys, Bill's Pipes is back, and that means the return of legendary performance. Two strokes, check. Four strokes, check. Since 1974, they've been tuning power at its finest for motocross racers, off-road racers, you name it. For you two-stroke lovers, the MX2 Bill's Pipe exhaust system is flat out the right choice to make. Nickel, works, and the brand new cone look is the right system for the job. When it comes to four-strokes, Bill's Pipes brings the RE13 to decimate the field 
anywhere, anytime. So if you want the same pipe used by Billy Leninovich, Sean Collier, Vicky Golden, and the entire Barn Pros Home Depot Yamaha team, head over to BillsPipes.com today and never settle. Hey, this is Adam with Vexy MX, and you're listening to the Big MX Podcast Radio Show. Hey, this is Alex Ray. I don't know if, why you're listening to Brad's podcast, but I'll be back on soon. Hey, this is Zach Cummins. All you hosers, quit listening to Nickelback and jump on over to the Big MX Radio Show. Hey, guys, this is Kate Clayson, and not only do I blow uh, Alex Ray's doors off in the track, but I do it at K1 speed, too. This is Alex Ray. No, forget that. I will smoke Kate Clayson anytime at K1 speed or any other moto dude. Whoever wants to race me, let's go. I'm ready couple of tall obstacles in your way, but uh, the right man for the task. Um, what, where, what kind of letter grade would you give the uh, the health of the sport in uh, motocross in, in Canada? And uh, I, I, for one, uh, would, would regrettably inform my listeners that uh, Manitoba is not an MMA or uh, not a CMRC um, sanctioned uh, series, that it's it's not governed by the CMRC, but uh, uh, what, what's the overall health of uh, the CMRC and uh, for those um, organizations or provinces that do fall under the CMRC, uh, wh- what do they kind of benefit from b- by being part of the CMRC? Well, uh, that's a, a weighted question. Um, <laughs> you know, let, let me let me give you the big picture. Um, as as far as I'm concerned, and, and from the from the years that I've spent in the sport. Um, I'll, I'll say this the day that I retire, as I'll say it right now. The only way for the sport to succeed is for everybody to be going in the same direction under the same umbrella. There's no question in my mind, it's been proven time and time again, that that's the only way to go. You look at, you look at anything. You look at the CHL, Canadian Hockey League. You look at Skate Canada, Swim Canada, whatever, whatever sport you want to talk about. There's always a sanctioning organization, and the reason the reason for those organizations is to, to offer structure, have an infrastructure that that works, have common rules, common you know in our case common uh, classifications, um, you know have, have have events like you know amateur national championships, pro national championships, and in, in motocross's case we have the you know you got regionals, provincials, amateur nationals. Or we got Western and Eastern Amateur Nationals. We have Grand Nationals. Then we have Pro Nationals. It's it's all got to go in the same direction. You know, there's 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 a lot of groups that splinter off and, and go in their own direction for for whatever reason. And you know, they that may fulfill their own needs, but you know, on the big picture of things, it it really doesn't help the sport take a step forward. Um, you know, you know, for like for riders too. Like even if even if you're um, even if you don't travel to uh, you know to amateur national championships, you're still you still feel like you're part of the big picture, as opposed to being a segregated club. So right. um, you know, you're part of something. Well, yeah, you know, it's. Well, what, what my what my uh, example has been over the years is, it's like 
you know, in, in, let's take the CHL for example. You, you've got you've got hockey right across the country, and it's huge. You got house league. You got you know these days there's AE, there's A, double A, triple A. Then you got your juniors, and then you know whether it's uh, um, going to college or or uh, the AHL and obviously the NHL. But if you look at if you look at the base, you look at the grassroots. It, you know, in, in my day, well, I, I can I can say it now. Like, how many how many kids? The thousands. I, I think there's six hundred thousand players within the CHL. Well, out of those six hundred thousand kids, who didn't want to be Wayne Gretzky or now Sidney Crosby or Connor McDavid, who my son actually exactly. played against? Um, so, so. The whole idea about having this pinnacle, having and in our in motocross's case, the pro nationals, that's what you want to have kids shooting for. So, if everybody's in the same organization with the same dream, because for in hockey's case, there's 600,000 people. Well, how many make it to the NHL? And the percentage is very small, as is the case for uh, for making it to pro motocross and making six-figure salary in motocross. You know, there's there's maybe, well, in, in our national series, there's five, six guys making six figures. Yeah. But, you know, and that's, that's what everybody shoots for, which is good because really, if you're not in motocross to have fun, don't race because that's, that's what you got to do. If you're in motocross to make money, you're in the wrong sport. Agreed, hundred percent agreed. But uh, no, it's uh, um, it's a passion drive sport, and I think there's a lot of people who are involved in it that don't uh, don't mind uh, having a uh, uh, maybe maybe not seeing the exact number that they'd like to see it on the the paycheck. But if they get to do what they love to do and call that work, then uh, then that that's that's better. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I was talking with uh, with Paul Kingsley, my head referee. We were we were chatting the other day and talking about talking about the purse in Canada versus the purse in the States. So, you know, from what we could gather, the purse in the States is about $70,000 per round. Um, and uh, the, the purse in Canada is $20,000. Well, if you look at it proportionally with the number of spectators that we have versus how many spectators that they have, yeah, you know, they have, what, five times, ten times the spectators, but, yeah, you know, What's what's the three and a half times the purse? So you know, it's it's really like we're, we're trying to we're trying to do the best we can to 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 reward the riders, um, but it, it's tough. It's you know if you don't if you don't get the uh, if you don't get the, the the spectator draw and the sponsorship income, then you know. Like when you compare our series to the states, we have to go through almost all of the same expenses as they do in the states. Like you know, they have more, you know, you know, more more track crew, more security, and more, more, more. But that's not that's not hundreds of thousands of, of dollars. That's only ten thousand, tens of thousands of dollars. So you know, it's, it's all relative. So um, anyway, you know, I, I think we're. I think we're holding ground um, uh, w- with our nationals in terms of, of paying the riders in it, but it's tough. You know, it's 
you, you look at the number of, of riders in the states that get factory rides and get paid big bucks. And then, you know, after the top 10, 15, or 20, then it goes, it drops drastically. And which is, right. which is the case in Canada as well. You know, there's, there's, there's guys that, hey, there's, there's, I'm not going to say who, but there's a couple of guys making hundreds of thousands of dollars racing the Camp Canadian Nationals. So, but, but then it gets down after the top 10, you know, it's like, trust me, after you're six, seven, eight, it, that's when it starts going downhill. And then in, from 10th to 20th, then, you know, you might get a, you might get a, a local sponsor to help you financially, or you might get uh, bikes and parts from a manufacturer, but that's, that's just reality. And, and really it's, it's all got to do with business. Like you, you look at the number of bikes that are sold, um, you know, and what, what comes into the manufacturers. So like, and, and I'll, I'll give you an example too. In 1988, I, I, I ran uh, the motocross team for Yamaha Motor Canada and my total budget was $15,000. Oh. $15,000. Wow. And you want to know something? I had nine riders. And I could probably tell you them. Um, I had Jason Frenette in Alberta, and Ryan Bell, yeah. Ryan Bell in BC. Um, not sure about Manitoba, but I had uh, I had Kevin Moore, Chris Pomeroy, Brad King, I had Carl Sampson in Quebec, and I know I had someone in the Maritimes, but I forget. But anyways, you know I had to get creative and and do delayed billing and things like that. But anyway. The ironic thing about that is the year before Ross was riding for Yamaha in 1987. Right. His his gym membership was more than my entire budget in in 1988. So wow. that's when you know, like I'm saying, I'm talking about the business side of the sport. That's when Yamaha went looked at looked at their sales and looked at their spending versus what they got in return, and they put the brakes on. So, right. you know, it, it's really tough right now. And that's since 2008, you know, everybody, everybody knows the, the, well, the economy went down then and the industry suffered a lot then and it's, you know, slowly recouping. But, um, you know, that that's why there's so many cutbacks. Oh, I totally agree. Like uh, if, if, if there is no ROI, there will be no support. Like if if the if there's no return uh, on these companies, whether it be uh, Export A from uh, back in the day or or Snapple uh, when they were sponsoring the series, yeah. if they don't see that uh, their dollars spent on advertising and, and supporting the series are coming back in in the form of either beverages sold or, or what have you, uh, they won't they won't support it. And um, the 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 more eyes on the series, the better. And uh, that's that's basically the struggle you're faced with, my friend. Yeah, and you know, look, looking at what's going on right now, like with with Rockstar, like they're a great they're a great partner. Uh, the motocross nationals are Rockstar's biggest uh, biggest property across the country, and best property. I'd like to say that too because they told me. But you're, <laughs> you're right, and, and and that's why, you know, if you want to call it pressure, the pressure's on me to make sure that I deliver so that. I give them as much exposure, brand exposure as possible. Um, but you know, one one thing that um, that they measure too is, is the amount of product that they give away per round, and it's actually really strong, and they're super happy with it. 
But, you know, as you said, it, it comes down to sales. So since, they, since Rockstar started sponsoring the series, their sales have increased. Now, I'm not going to say that because of, because of uh, the motocross nationals, but I can say it's partially because of the motocross nationals. You know, all of a sudden they made this change, they made this big investment into the series, and their sales have gone up, you know, however many percent, but they're happy with it. They're happy with what they're seeing with the Nationals, and they want to keep keep on going forward. So well, that's, that's encouraging, and uh, and that's that's something that you'd like to hear. Definitely, definitely. You know, you want to you want to start accumulating these types of sponsors. You know, I want to. You know, I'm I'm pitching sponsors right now for next year to try and and come on board. And you know, if there if some of our plans come into place, that. Uh, that give the series a lot more exposure than, um, you know, then, you know, you know, as I said to you, the more, more sponsors will come on board and then we can take that, the, the, uh, progressive steps forward that, that we're hoping to do. Well, right on, man. I'm, I'm glad to see that there's uh, a bright light at, uh, ahead of uh, Canadian motocross, both professionally and amateur, uh, um, on the amateur side of things. I would love to see a Canadian national uh, come back to the, uh, the the province of Canada. Uh, of course, um, that's that's all. Like, there's a there's a lot of politics that comes into that. But uh, what would you say uh, the chance ability of uh, a Manitoba motocross uh, or a, a national coming back to province of manitoba uh, anytime soon <laughs> you're making me lay my hand my cards down um, <laughs> please do yeah uh, there how can i say this I, i'd love for there to be a national in in manitoba in fact um when i uh when when we were in in morton uh was it morton Yes, where you had yeah. the, the good times moto. That was um, <laughs> that was terrible slash amazing. That was the first year of it. Yep, uh, that was oh seven. So I don't yeah, oh seven. Was that the first year? I'm going to go back to my. I think it was. Year. I think it was the first year, if not the second year. Okay, let me look at oh six here. Um, you're right. Nope, nope, nah, for, nope. Uh, two thousand and six, we were at. Shadow Valley. Okay, fair enough. Well, then, uh, yeah, actually, you're right. 2007, but absolute quagmire. We're watching on uh, the the television broadcast. They're intent on your on a very worried Mark Stallybrass's face about uh, how much rain and how much. Uh, Mud was all over the track, and actually, to be honest, I was there. I was I was uh, standing on the hill during all the first two motos. They pushed quite a bit of mud off of the track. I uh, and actually during that that good times race was probably the best moto of the day, as far as track conditions go. Well, you know what? I'll tell you something. I'll be perfectly honest with you. That wasn't a worried face, worried look on my face. I don't think I've ever been that pissed off before at riders in my in my career. Um, no. You know, I after the after the first MX1 moto, I went out on ATV, like after they tried to clean it up and, you know, the rain had stopped and so on. And, and I, uh, I, well, I'm kind of old school. I'm like, Hey, we're good to go. And then there was a particular rider that went out and started, uh, getting a, getting a petition going. And then all of a sudden they all boycotted it. 
and then we then we had that good times race. It was, uh, you know, you know, and as you said, the track was in great shape. But um, anyway, you know that that was a we had we had some pretty bad luck at at Morton, unfortunately. The uh, yeah, uh, I'm trying to remember really the, bad mutters in the span of five years. Yeah, yeah, it, it was it was tough. Um, who, I'm sorry. Who are the Who are the people that own the track? Do you, do you remember the, the Hepners? I believe Hepners, it's yes. Yeah, they, they were fantastic Jeremy. people to work with, and it was it was kind of a sad day when I had to tell give them the news that we had to move because they were super people. Peter was was the the dad, and he's a great guy, um, and they did everything that we had asked them to do. So you know, it, it was too bad, but. You know, as we were as we were moving forward, we were getting the mandate from our major sponsors that we had to had to have events that were in major centers or near major centers. Such yeah, Norton you know, doesn't major, really qualify. Yeah, <laughs> true. But um, <laughs> you know, and the reason for that is it, it's not just about the people that come on site, but it's you know it's, it's the the amount the the reach that you get to who you're advertising to, so that. Right. The branding gets the most uh, the most exposure as possible, um, and and also like in Rockstar's case, you want to have you want to be in a in a city where there's like let's say Max convenience stores. I'm pretty sure you guys have Max, but yeah, anyway, in, in in convenience stores where they can do promotions with the convenience stores surrounding the motocross race, so that they get they increase their sales and stuff like that. So that that became the mandate, um, you know, and it, it's it's one of those things like you know you you can't really give up a sponsor like Rockstar or or at the time it was Monster. So you know that unfortunately I you know your your hands kind of forced. So however that being said, um, um, I have interest in in returning to Manitoba. I I you know not just at the pro national side but. I would like to get uh, you know talk to the talk to the people at uh, the MMA to to get the the MMA back on board with CMRC and, and participating in our national series or sorry to participating in at the amateur level too. Um, yeah. We've got uh, we've changed the format of our amateur nationals this year. Where um, in 2017 we're going to have our Grand National Amateur Championship in Western Canada. So. There's a lot of things changing and evolving, and uh, you know I I would like I, I would really like to have Manitoba be part of that. You know it's whether whether it's going good or not good right now is kind of besides the point. It's just being part of the big picture as as I talked to before. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, looking forward to uh, McNabb Valley Raceway being uh, round one of 2017's <laughs> Pro National Series. <laughs> Where's McNabb Valley Raceway? It's uh, about thirty minutes outside of Brandon. Okay. So uh, it's that 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 would be they're a city, so that would be uh, technically a, a major hub. But uh, yeah, that's that's where uh, Ryder McNabb, uh, who's uh, he he did very well at that uh, both Raymond and uh, some other amateur nationals here in, in uh, Canada. Uh, that's his his parents' place out there, and uh, it's kind of the crown jewel as far as uh, Manitoba motocross is is concerned right now. Hmm. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, we have, we have, put it this way, we, we have to have Manitoba back on board in order to go back there for a national. Totally. Absolutely. I agree. 
yeah, that's the uh, um, that's just the the truth of the matter, and it's not politics. It's just our it's just the way we're structured and and, and something that we've done. So, you know, it, as I said to you before, I I I, I would like to come back to Manitoba um, and you know make it a, a you know a, a permanent stop on the series. Absolutely, uh, and a, a unified Canada. Yeah, the uh, and and you know, like I said to you before, it's it's not going to the, the the sport's not going to get any better until that happens. Fair enough, man. Well, uh, it was a pleasure of mine to have had you on the show. Uh, I said I'd take a half hour, and I decided to double it, uh, <laughs> and uh, as I do. But uh, I really appreciate you giving me some time and uh, and, and get, get, giving my listeners a little bit of a, uh, not only a look backward at some of uh, the the great memories and uh, and the things about Canadian motocross that make it so great, but also a look ahead to what's to come and a little bit of a recap on the uh, on the on the 2016 as well so uh all encompassing great podcast man uh really appreciate giving me some time you bet anytime thanks for calling thank you for listening to the big mx radio podcast brought to you by 100 percent goggles be sure to head to ride 100 percent that's r-i-d-e 100 dot com to check out all available product goggles and a full rundown of the company itself. Also make sure that you check out racersindex.com to register and find yourself an industry job. If you're a mechanic looking for a job or if you're a rider looking for a job, go to racersindex.com. As always, thank you guys so much for listening and contact me at bradgebhart.com. 88 at gmail.com for any suggestions or review or feedback. Always appreciated. Thanks again for listening. Late afternoon, another day is nearly done. A darker gray is breaking through a lighter one. And sharpened elbows in the underground That hollow hurried sound Feet on polished floor And in the dollar store The clerk is closing up And counting loonies trying not to say Checks the mirror seven minutes late The crowded rider's restlessness enunciates The guess who suck, the jets were lousy anyway The same route every day And in the turning lane Someone stalled a game He's talking to himself And here's the price of gas Repeat his phrase I hate Winnipeg
sol leaning into sky a golden business boy will watch the north end die and sing I love this town then let his our king wrecking ball proclaim Hey.